This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered. And you want to talk about service time for the Oakland Athletics? We've got Billy Bean, Steve Vucinich, and Billy Owens. The three of these guys combined for over, well over 100 years of service for the Oakland Athletics. The VP of Baseball Operations, he's one of the stars in Major League Baseball, and, you know, you don't get him too often, but when you do it, you know it's going to be special. Billy Bean came onto the field where we do A's Cast Live during home games. We broached a lot of topics. Here is the great Billy Bean. The great Billy Bean is going to be joining us here as we get you ready for a little A's baseball. We won an award for the top interview in the Bay Area. If you remember, I got the award, you didn't. Really? But I can bring it to your office if you'd like did, it. Did we? Yeah. What, what, which, which one of our great interviews was it? It was the one. It was, it was the one that we did the weekly. Really? No kidding. You never told me that. Yeah, we won the best. Uh, we I, I can't remember who who was presented it, for, it or was it for all the radio? For, yeah, for for you and me in the Bay Area, we were the uh, top interview of the year. I think it was like God. It was like what 2014 or something oh, like that. Man, that's great. How are you? It's been a while. It has. Well, the smoke's better here than it is out in the East Bay. Danville's bad. I can't believe how hot it is. Yeah, well, that smoke too. I think makes it worse. How are your girls doing? Uh, sophomore year of high school. What possibly could go wrong? That's think about that. Enjoy. You only got three years left. God, I, but we're starting to look at colleges now. Yeah. Have you done that with your or your twins? No, they're uh, eighth graders, so they're not yet. They're going to go to De La Salle, Crondelet. Oh. Are yours at the Catholic school? No, nah, they're at Willow Glen, but, uh, I mean, we've gone down. We've looked at Santa Barbara, UCLA, Already. San Diego State. When's the last time you've been back home? Yeah. It's like it's – I went to uh, – yesterday, actually, I took my daughter to the St. Mary's San Diego State uh, girls soccer match yesterday afternoon. Yeah, isn't it crazy? Like, colleges have changed so yeah. dramatically how, how big they've become and the big business that is college. And, uh, yeah, we're getting ready for that. It's kind of crazy. I know. It'll be fun. So how are you? It's good. Everything good with the family? Everybody good? Everything, yeah, everything's good. Well, my son had hip surgery. He had a torn tendon in his hip. He's a big soccer player, right? That's how he heard it. He's growing so fast. He's six foot. and he's Your kid is six foot? Thirteen and a half. Wow. So he's just growing too fast. So he had, had the growth plate. It tore off. And he had an avulsion fracture in uh, May or April. Out 10 weeks, comes back, he's back for a month. The first minute of his first match, he slid to, it popped a tendon. 
and had to have surgery last Wednesday. I remember we were having a party out here on the field, and oh, they God. were little kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's 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 going to shoot past six foot too. He's going about seven inches in the last year. So yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, everything else going good? Yeah, everything's going good. You know, I was thinking about this coming into, you know, you've had this job longer than anybody. I know Cashman was after you, but you've had this job longer than anybody. We, and, and there's and there's we. and there's not many jobs out there where you basically you're dealing with signing human beings, you're trading guys. Like, there's not many jobs in this world like this. What what has it been like in your career to deal with so many people? And you make their lives great. You change their lives by trading them, signing them. I mean, what, what is that like? You know, you, it, it, what you got to be careful is that, you know, you just said something that, and I've said this to David many times, you know, you got to make sure you don't get jaded in the job. Like you take, take a kid who comes up for the first time, his first at bat in the big leagues. Now, this is my 20, what, what how many, fifth, whatever year doing this. What, 98? Oh, yeah. So yeah. I've seen a lot of first at bats. You don't really necessarily think about it, but you, you've got to remember, and I remember my first at-bat in the major leagues, what a massive event that is for that person and their families and everything. And you you got to, in some sense, you've got to, like, get outside yourself and say, hey, let's just stop and watch this at-bat because this is the most exciting moment maybe in their life at that point. And, you know, but it's, the jaded part is that, you know, if you're a Jim and me and Dave and the guy doesn't get a hit his first, so you're all mad at him, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you got to check yourself and say, wait a second. You know, your first, any first I could just tell you, almost any first appearance, but, but even at bat, you just throw it out the door. If a guy hits a homer, and, you know, you, we've all seen that, that's incredible. But it's, it, you, I remember mine, it literally went like that. I had a massive <laughs> headache afterwards because all the stress and I was up there the first pitch I saw from Kent to Colby I'd hit it right back Kent to Colby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it was over in like 30 seconds maybe 30 seconds so. by the way I wish we were on Sirius XM and we could really get into your Met stories because <laughs> you've got some uh, I mean if we're gonna go your old buddy Lenny Dykstra to Daryl Strawberry Dwight Gooden you've got incredible Met stories <laughs> That was an amazing – well, the, listen, as great a team. It was incredibly talented team. In fact, I, I'll say it to the guys. To this day, I'm not sure I've seen a minor league system that was that good uh, The eight, from 80 through 85. And I, my first year, I was drafted 80. That was Daryl's year. Uh, Dykstra was 81. Uh, but that, Gooden was, what, 82 maybe. Uh, it, the amount of – the talent it seemed like every guy they drafted whether it be high school or college ended up being a really good player if not for the Mets for somebody else I mean they're getting guys like Mark Carrion out of high school in the seventh round and uh Rick Aguilera in like the fourth round you know he's saving 250 games uh Calvin Chiraldi I mean just on and on and on and I remember thinking as a you know as a kid going god I'm so glad I don't have to face uh, you know our own pitching staff because our some of the in the minor leagues were just amazing and then uh but you know but one of them you know to, to your point there were some amazing personalities there too it was a fun group of guys and ronnie darling was there yeah. you know and uh tim leary i remember him the old ucla guy and uh they, along with being tarot players it was a pretty unique group of guys and it was it was fun it was a, it was a fun uh fun time to come up i 
was traded wisely because the Mets ended up getting Timmy Tuffle, who was a guy that they've been wanting from a while for the Twins. So I wasn't there in 86 when they won it. But uh, it was a talented team, had lots of personalities. And then you had New York. And, uh, and New York at that time, was, it, was, it was a perfect team for that town at that time. I mean, they, you know, they're like rock stars, you know? Totally, and, yeah. Uh, and it was a fun group. Davey Johnson was a, really one of the most underrated managers, I think, really, in modern day. People don't talk about it. He was a really good manager and was way ahead of his time in terms of the way he managed the game. Very similar the way you guys manage now. I mean, he was a big proponent of the home run, the walk, uh, not necessarily risking outs on the bases. He liked offense. He'll, he'd usually cho choose the offense over the defense. In fact, he played Howard Johnson at short a number of times a year. Oh, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it was a great, it was actually, a, and, and you know, and, you know, a lot of the players, you know, as major league players now, but we also had, like, you know, uh, Steve Phillips came up, ended up being a general manager. John Gibbons was with us, ended up managing for years. There was just a, a, lot, of, a lot of talent. Period. You know, not just uh, playing talent, but executive talent and coaching talent that came through there. And, and Frank Cashin was the uh, GM. Hall. And I don't know if Frank's in the Hall of Fame. If he's not, he should be. You know, I think about, you You know, when you're coming up and you're around all this great talent, like when did you know as Billy Bean, you know, you're number one pick, you, you're, you know, you're projected to be a star, but when did you know, uh-oh, Daryl Strawberry's really good. <laughs> you know, like these guys, are. you were around yeah. some incredible talent. Yeah, it was, yeah, Daryl, I mean, to this day, probably probably the best athlete I've ever been around. I mean, just natural athletic ability. I, I would, That was the one thing. I, I was always pretty honest with myself about my baseball skill level. But athletically, I, I never felt like there's too many guys who weren't a better, who were necessarily better athletes, you know. But baseball, you need both. You need to have the skill. You know, you, you just can't have pure athletic ability. If you've got both, then you, you know, you can be a great player. I didn't have the skill level and the strike zone discipline, on and on and on. But I remember playing in, with Daryl. I don't know if I told you this story once, Chris. And I was, you know, at the time, decent basketball. Weren't we all decent basketball players? Well, you're, you, you were tall and yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we were playing. And we played back then. And you can't imagine now. We used to play pickup basketball games all the time. And we were playing Midland, Texas on the road. We were in the Texas League. And I... We we're playing two on two, and Daryl uh, had went to Crenshaw High. He was about six six. I was six four at the time, and he, he quickly drop stepped on me and slammed right on me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'd never had anybody, I'd never had anybody do that ever in my life. And I, and that was why you know beyond seeing him on the baseball field on a daily basis, I went whoa. <laughs> 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 and, and again, I you know I, again I always kept my own playing ability in perspective. But athletically, again, I always felt like, you know, I could compete athletically. Right away, I went, well, this guy's better. <laughs> I'll never forget when he picked up the ball from the outfield oh, yeah. wall and threw it all the way home. You're like, that's a different yeah. dude. He, he really was. And what people don't realize, too, is how fast he was. You know, because he was so tall and, ang you know, he had these long strides, you didn't necessarily, you wouldn't think like he's that fast. He could fly. He, he it was so fast. Just a great athlete, a good guy too. I always liked Daryl. And if I, I ran into him a couple of years ago, I was speaking, and uh, at a conference, and he somehow happened to be there for something. We bumped into each other. It was good. I, I he was I always liked Daryl. He's he, man, he, probably as much pressure as I've ever seen on a young player coming up in my entire career. And he, it, you know, it it was tough. I mean, number one pick. He was kind of one of the first of the sort of.
you know, when you start talking about the draft, that was one of the number one picks people really started knowing right out of high school, and, and it was New York too. So, uh, but he was a great player, really good player. You know, I think about your life, and so much of your life has been right here. Yeah. And you know, you think about your family, you think about your kids, you think about your career. What does this place mean to you? You know, it's it's funny as I've gotten older, I've actually you know I've thought walked down halls and I've I've thought about like you know I told. I remember telling David we were walking by, you know, we're here on the field now, Chris, people can't see us, but I was walking up on the concourse and I, and I said, hey, I walked by this seat. I said, you know, I used, when I, my first year in the front office up here after I was named assistant gym, I sat right here to have lunch here in the stadium in the off season. And I used to see Danny Glover on the payphone because they're filming Angels in the Outfield here. Remember, remember, remember Danny Glover was in Angels <laughs> yes. in the Outfield? And I'd come out of my office, have lunch. And just payphone, right? Yeah. And I was looking on the wall for more. Well, the payphone used to be here. By the way, kids, Google it. There's yeah. something called a payphone. And so he, he was using the payphone, and I'd come down, and, and they were filming out here for that movie in 90, I think it was the fall, or yeah, the fall of 93, after the season. And I'm thinking, it's 93. That's like, oh, my God. I mean, that's, you know, you know 27, 28, whatever years, 27 years ago, whatever it is, 28 years ago. And so you, it is a long time. And, uh, you know, and me, and, <laughs> me and Sandy used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. And stuff. <laughs> you and Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Running around the outfield, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, again, that was, yeah, the, when Sandy was still here. We'd come out here and we'd take our shirts off. And, in fact, I remember playing the Yankees once and talking to my buddy here. We are playing, that was that the, the year when Straw was with the Yankees was 90. He was, I think it was on the 98, 98 team, yeah. yeah. And I remember they were in town, one, and during that lunchtime, we were playing the Yankees. I remember coming out, having the shirt off, you know, bronzing <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, listen, Eck used to run out of the Hegenberger when he was here. Like, he'd run in just a pair of shorts running out of Hegenberger bronze. Really? Out. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him next time you see him. He'd go out there, and he'd run. And, and uh, yeah, like '89, '90, and stuff. He, when he was, yeah, when he was, he, you know, when he, he was uh, uh, Cy Young, he'd go out and he'd, he'd run outside the stadium with these little like dolphin Coach, shorts. Coaches <laughs> shorts? <laughs> no, they weren't coaches shorts. <laughs> that would have been more appropriate. <laughs> you know, the reality is, you know, when they talk about how you don't like watching games, I remember. I can't remember what year it was. It was like around 12, 13. Mary, I had to ask you a question, and I came down the elevator, and you were on the treadmill, and Farhan was doing <laughs> biceps, and I went, it's real. I mean, you don't like to watch yeah. games. You've, I mean, my box has been next to your box all these years. I've never even seen you yeah. in your box. No, you know, it, it, I just, I, what I realized, you know, you, you know, this job, listen, I've never lost in, any of the intensity, and I realized early on that, when I did that, I was overly intense, and I wasn't a particularly pleasant person to be around, and I wasn't necessarily a great decision maker, too, you know, and so I, I sort of realized, you know, I can get the same information, I can get everything I need to know in a less emotional time, and then it just became kind of a habit, and then, it, uh, you know, uh, it, and it just seemed like a much better way to sort of manage yourself and then ultimately make decisions, you know, and if, it's funny, when Bob came over here, Bob uh, Melvin, 
Yeah, Bob's been here what over a decade now, right? Yeah. And uh, as long as we got the longest, you know, whoever thought that was going to happen, right? Early in my career, right? And well, yeah. <laughs> to think that you have the longest tenured manager. Yeah. Well, that again, that was I think it was more narrative than anything. But uh, I told Bob, I said, listen, Bob, after a game, I'll I'll never call you unless we need to make a move, injury move. I won't call you after a win or a loss. And one of the reasons I, I said that is because win or lose, if we lose, we're, we're both emotional at that time. And 75%, I think most executives and head coaches or managers can relate, 75% of what you'd say after a tough game, you probably wouldn't say in the morning. And so I've, it's a much, just much healthier way. And so even if we win 17 to nothing, I won't call. If we lose, you know, and again, unless we need to speak about or something really specific came up in that game that needs to be addressed in terms of, you know, let's say call-ups, things like that. But that re- that doesn't happen all the time. So it's just a much better way to govern yourself. And I kind of learned a little bit from Sandy because, uh, you know, Sandy, <laughs> I remember the first night, first night I was, very first night I was the assistant GM. This is 93, middle of 93 I get promoted to assistant GM. And I come up here and I'm all fired up and I'm, I might even worn a suit into the office or something that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I'm up in the box with Sandy, and uh, something first something happened, and he he happened to the re, the remote control slipped out of his hand and hit the wall, and it, and I looked at Eric Kubota, who's our scouting director now. You know Eric well, right? And yeah. uh, and Eric was our assistant scouting director at the time. And I looked at him, and I said, "Wow." And he goes, oh, yeah, he's like this all the time. <laughs> I mean, he said he was really intense. And then over time, he too, he, what I would notice, like like in games when it started getting close, I, I'd look around the box. This is when I would sit in the box. And Wally was up there too, Wally Haas. And Sandy would be gone. And, I, you know, where's Sandy goes? And then Eric goes, oh, he went driving somewhere. And so I sort of picked up that habit of sort of escaping a little bit. Uh, probably the one, the two memorable ones was when we were in 2000. If you remember, if you remember, Chris, the last day of the season, we had to beat Texas to win the division. That was, and uh, it was late September. It was a hot day. I didn't want to watch any of it, so I went over to Alameda, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to hear anything. I just wanted to be gone for two hours and show up and have the game over. And I'm trying to avoid the game, and I walking on the beach in Alameda, and the Raiders are playing. I think so. You could hear Raider game thing, and you could hear our game on the radio with people on the beach. I'm just trying to get away, but it's on everywhere. So I, I remember reading a magazine in the Safeway over in Alameda for like an hour and a half. I finally broke down and drove in Hagenberg, and I think it was either Jambi doubled that day. Jeremy, I didn't see it, but I just know the thing. Jeremy and then Randy Vardy might have homered. We won three nothing, and I could hear the crowd all the way on Hagenberger. So I knew something good had happened, but I didn't know the score. And when I walked in, I think we were up like 3 nothing in the 7th or 8th inning. That was a day, it's kind of a famous, for me it's famous, seeing Isrenhausen strike out, I think Catalanato for the last out. And that was our first division title. And, uh, and that, so that's one of my memorable escapes. One of the New York games, I went on the subway and just wandered around the city. In game five, it was the, I think that was 2000, 2001, I think. When, yeah. I'll never forget. <laughs> When I was on KMBR, and I brought you on Saturday night when you traded for Isringhausen, and you came on with Larry Kruger and I back in the day. What, what year was that? That was, that in was the 90s, uh, right? We traded for Izzy in 99 because yeah. I, 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 I got crushed t- t- 10 days before that because I don't know if you remember, we had Kenny Rogers. The gambler. And what we needed to do was trade. See, we had a, a unique situation with Kenny. He was making $5 million a year. The Yankees were paying two and a half million, so we were getting two and a half million cash. So we were able to take send the five million salary to the Mets, 
but still keep the two and a half from the Yankees. So we didn't subsidize. So they paid because he was really good. We didn't have to. So we used that to create cash, you know, to, and then we, so we, but we traded Kenny and we we're like a game under 500 and everyone, I mean, it was my second year and they're just killing me on the radio. Like, <laughs> we're, like we were waving a white flag and I knew we had a whole bunch of moves. That's when we, Apier came in, Velarde came in, Omar Oliveras came in, Izzy came in. And so, uh, so, you know, with the cash that we'd created or the payroll space that we created, well, we had to wait 10 days. So for 10 days, I, you probably one of them were just crushing me. Yes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was brutal. Yeah, was, I mean, it, in your second year, you know, now, you know, you get crushed. You know, they say nice thing, you get crushed. It's, you know, at, at, at this point, you know, you sort of know how to handle it. When you're second year, it's, it's not as much fun. Well, you admitted a few years back that you have watched Moneyball, but you're always looking over your back to make sure no one's watching you while you do it. Do you like how you were portrayed? Yeah, I thought, yeah, I mean, uh, I like all the good parts, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, it's uncomfortable. I mean, it's, it's a tough question to ask. It's Brad Pitt. I mean, you know, she, you, you kind of had me at hello, right? Yeah. So that helps. And, uh, uh, I mean, it wasn't, you know, uh, you know, it, that helped. And he was phenomenal. So it was just it's an uncomfortable experience. And now when you mentioned, I've, I don't think I've seen the whole movie since – that we had the premiere here in Oakland in 11, which you were at. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's the last time I've seen the whole movie. I, I think I might have told you the story. If not, it's it's funny because uh, it was three years ago in spring training, and I was in Phoenix, and I and I had, like, the flu, and I was sick as a dog. Nick told me, just stay home, and I'm on the couch, and I've got a blanket on it. I'm just laying there and watching, and I happened to scroll through the guide, and it was, like, money balls on it, and I, and I kind of make sure no one's watching. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I turned it on and watched about 20 minutes of it, right? And then I started thinking, oh, this is really creepy. Someone's going to come in and, and think, you know, like, then I sit around watching the movie, but I was like, I just turned it off, right? And so I've never seen the whole, I've never seen the whole thing. And uh, and my younger kids, my, my oldest daughter, Casey, obviously has, but my uh, she younger. She lived it. Yeah. My younger ones. Uh, my daughter's seen half of it. She's the one who always wanted to see it. My son could care less. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he could care less. He didn't even know who Brad Pitt is. That, <laughs> it's like, whatever, Dad. Yeah. So my favorite parts of the movie are the scouts. It's hilarious, yeah. right? He's got an ugly girlfriend. What does that mean? No confidence. Did any of that Did any of that ever, like, I like a guy has got a little hair on his ass. Did any of that ever really happen? It's, in real life, it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> The, the scouts have their own lingo, yeah, and especially our guys because we've been together so long, and there's such a sense of comfort with each other that it's and a lot of that they they took, you know, and, and Michael was in the draft room, so Michael Lewis was Mike. The one thing about Michael's book was Michael was there. Everything that's in there is true. I mean, unfortunately, I wish it wasn't because there were some quotes in there that you know kind of cringe myself. But Michael was there, and so they drew a lot of it from, from the book. And and honestly, our draft room is even funnier than that. When you get in the draft room, because we're, we're all there, all the it's scouts. It's a war are, room. Oh, it's, and, they're, and they're so funny. I mean, you know Billy O. Yeah. I mean, Billy O. You want the, the best story about the great Billy Owens, <laughs> uh, Bay Area kid from uh, Bellarmine. Uh, it was so funny when I had him on, because you know he travels more. He's got more Marriott points than any human being in the yeah. world, right? He, he, when we had him on, he was like, 
I actually got to actually meet my neighbors for the first time because of COVID. He had to be home. He didn't even know his what Gilbert, Arizona, yeah. wherever he lives. He's like he didn't even know his neighbors. He travels yeah. so much. Yeah, I remember being on the road with him one time, and he, he at one time he he had bought the place in Gilbert, and he had another his old place. He was actually renting it out, you know. So I remember we might have been in Atlanta or something years ago, and on a scout scouting, we and I met him somewhere, and and he gets his calls, and he and he's calling his handyman to go fixed the plumbing at his old house and it like like he was like a real estate mogul but i think he senses sold that because he's just not around enough to get on but billy's the best and he he he's out yeah that's he loves the game he loves sports you know that Chris. yeah he's a former quarterback i get as yeah. many texts from billy on college football on college you know basketball but he's just a sports fanatic and uh i mean billy could work in any i mean he could be an nfl scout if he wanted to he could be at any Scott. He just loves sports. He loves talking about players. He loves talented kids, and he loves talking about them. And that's why he's great at what he does. So when did it come to you that continuity is the – I mean, I think how long David's been here. I mean, he's grown up as a, yeah. an adult here. Talk about Billy O, Kubota, now Bob Melvin, just – Brady. Great. Yeah, Chris Pataro. I mean, Chris. Great, Grady's playing golf with my brother and nephew down at uh, uh, San, San Diego Country Club. Uh, it, I think about the con- – when did you say, I'm not going to be the guy that replaces it. I'm about continuity. When did that happen? You know, I I was having this con- – a friend of mine a writer in New York, and we were talking about some things, and, and I've known him for years, a good friend, and we were talking, and we started talking about the – if you think about the A's history, you know, he was asking me, like, basically, the, you know, the – question I don't really get anymore is like well you know how come you've always stayed there and there's a million reasons why but if you look at the A's history you had Connie Mack who ran it for well, how many years right yeah 50 or whatever you had Charlie Finley you had Sandy and then now myself there hasn't been a whole lot of sort of heads of baseball operations in, in general with the A's going back to Philadelphia it's sort of always been the case with this and I, I, I didn't necessarily think about that when I started but uh i think that's one of our strengths is the is the continuity we've been through a lot together there's a comfort there's a sense of calm i think when you know listen we've gone through rebuilds here we've lost our best players we've had i mean i've i mean i think back to even like when we traded donaldson we we're a team that had to rebuild and we literally took our best asset in the trade and didn't get a whole lot in return and we still figured it out you know we just kept transacting and I think a lot of that comes with the fact that you know there was a sense of confidence with all of us and and we weren't we, we knew we weren't always going to be right but we weren't going to be frozen uh with in and in, in, in be inactive because we'd made a mistake and so uh that's assuming you think the Donaldson trade didn't turn out best for us I mean some people argue that it did but uh. I mean <laughs> I, I've never ripped you about it on the postgame show <laughs> <laughs> I never said that I did I never said no I mean, you know, I, I, I think about your time. I mean, you've been here so long. We were joking how you were going to become a catcher at one point. But I just think about, you know, how long you've been here. I mean, you are a huge part of the fabric that is A's baseball. And I remember, and we'll end on this because I know you got to go, but I remember we were talking about, like, people don't understand how tough this job is. You – it wasn't fair that they put you out there on ballpark. You're not a ballpark guy. You, yeah. You're here, and, but you were the face. And unfortunately, kind of Lou kind of threw you under the bus in a lot of ways, <laughs> let's be honest. But you've been through so much. Just talk about 
you understand how to win here, and I don't think people really understand how tough it is, your job, to try and win every single year. Yeah, and the, well, the first thing is I say it's we, because it is we. I mean, you, I'm glad you mentioned David. I mean, uh, I mean I've mean, i had some amazing guys next to me. You think of like a Valti Podesta, yeah. who's running the Browns now, and you see where they're, where they're going. I've had Farhan. We see what Farhan's done over there. But the constant for me, and I had JP before that, and I've got Billy O and I got David. So those guys I've had next to me for 20 years. And so I feel so fortunate, number one, to have, and you guys have gotten to know David over the years. This isn't, you know, when I say, oh, David, it's not me just, you know, praising a number two. The, the people know how much David does or how important he is, which is great. Uh, and so I've been lucky. I've had, I think of anything, what I've been good at, I've, I think I've done a good job at finding good people around me and, uh, and creating a continuity because uh, it is hard. I mean, every year, I mean, it's the churn. I mean, it, it would, it, there's been a couple of years where we had, I, I, it might have been after 13 or 12, and I knew we, we knew we didn't have to do a, 13, I think it was. We go, this team's coming back. And we basically just little tweaks. But then the next year, it's a complete overhaul. And that churn is just makes it very difficult. And we don't, we've got a small group of players we're able to choose from. So, uh, you know, I listen, looking around sports and things like that, I really respect the, you know, listen, anybody who does this job, I respect. But when you see guys, if they, they win and then they do it again, like Belichick, it's amazing what Belichick has done. I mean, his roster's, you know, for 20-something years. I think of Bill Walsh, what he did. Walsh, yeah. yeah. And Belichick's even, I mean, I mean, he, the one that constantly he had was Brady, which, you know, obviously the most important position in the field, but still just the constant turnover that he had in the NFL, which by and large has a salary cap, pretty impressive. And so, uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate that comment. It is, it is tough, but I mean, everybody, it's tough in every market. I mean, you know, Brian Cashman, we're playing the Yankees and I, Brian has his own headaches too, you know, trust me. I mean, there's headaches that he has. But in fact, it's a good time to talk about Brian. I'll let you go is that, because Brian and I are like a couple months apart. Yeah. You know, we both. He's almost, like three months yeah, after you. Yeah, yeah. So, which and by I, the way, you helped him with analytics, by the way, according, I know. Yeah. according to the report. So, yeah, thanks for that. Well, you know, it's funny. The guy, <laughs> the, the, guy the, the young man, his name's Michael Fishman. We almost hired him when Paul left. Me and David were going to hire him. And then the last interview was a guy named Farhan. And we went, that's the guy, right? <laughs> and that's literally what me and David said. When, and you've, you've gotten to know Far. Oh, yeah, he's, great guy. And, and now, you know, everyone realized, A, how great he is. What a great personality. But after the interview, I mean, Michael Fishman is fantastic, and he's like the number two guy there. And he was on the back page of the Post when they were struggling, right, kind of a couple months ago. But, yeah, when Brian was uh, looking to start an analytics department about 04. It was like 04, 05, I think it was, maybe. And he said, hey, do you have any recommendations? I said, hey, there's a wonderful young man. We were going to hire him, except this this other guy named Farhan Zaidi came in, and, and it was just a perfect fit. And, and and Michael's been a great fit for them over there. But, I, yeah, Brian's a good friend. And But his, you know, it's a good time to talk about him. He might be the great, if you look at his body of work, he may be, you could make the argument that he's the greatest GM of all time in terms of accomplishment. You know, how long he's been there in that market and how many World Series he's won, his winning percentage. And yet he's constantly sort of having to be on the defensive because, you know, if you're the Yankees guy, if you don't win it, then... It, 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 nothing works, you know. You're gonna. Boy, you're gonna are you get... being humble right now? <laughs> I don't remember them writing a book about Brian Cashman <laughs> or making a movie yeah. about Brian Cashman. Yeah. I don't even might. know who would even play Brian <laughs> Cashman in a movie. 
Yeah, well, uh, he's good. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, he doesn't get the credit because he's got the money. And uh, but it's not, you know, listen, there's a lot of great GMs. That's the one thing I think now that the game is so smart. I mean, you look at, I mean, Farhan in San Francisco, Andrew down in Los Angeles, Neander in, in, in Tampa. I mean, this just a, I mean, I could go on. There, there's there's no, nobody who's doing this job who isn't, who isn't really bright and really good at what they do. I'll never forget you told me this. I don't remember what year. And people think about, oh, he could have gone to Boston. He could have gone to New York. I know L.A.'s yeah. come after you. You always said, I want to be able to go to Starbucks and be able just to have a coffee in Danville, and no one cares. Yeah, you know, no, exactly. And it's that's the great thing about living in the Bay Area is there's so, people, so many interesting people here especially with the way the world's gone in the last 25 years, the companies that have come out of here. You're in, if you're in line at that Starbucks, the guy in front of you might have invented, you know, three or four companies and sold them already. He might have actually done something creative and helpful to mankind. <laughs> and so it's humbling to know who your neighbors are because it's such a dynamic area in so many ways. And so, but yeah, for me, uh, yeah, I, again, I, in fact, I'll give you a quote. Someone said, you know, I remember in Boston, which is an amazing sports town, and they, you know, say, hey, if you win in Boston, you're going to own the town. And I remember saying, I don't really want to own the town. I just want to go to Starbucks and have a cup of coffee, you know, and hang out, you know, and talk about something else. So, yeah, it, it, it's I'm not trying to be overly humble, but I just, I mean, we're from San Diego. That's how we roll, man. Yeah, shorts and flip-flops. Well, I mean, I, 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 I always say this. I'm not here. You know, one of the great achievements in my career was, being able to leave sports radio on my terms, which most people don't, and to be able to come work for the organization that I love, I'm not here if it's not for you. I understand that. You've done a, you've done a lot for me in my career over the years, and you know I've known you since the '90s, and I can't thank you enough for everything you've done for me. Uh, no, it's well deserved, Chris. It's great to have you here. It's uh, and I remember those myself. I'll let you finish this. You're trying to get rid of me now. Is I remember me and you and Kruger with this. You had a Sunday show, right? Yes, right. Saturday and Sundays. Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to go on that all the time. And I'm thinking, there's no way in heck I'd go on that. I, no, we're friends. You know, now yeah. we've known each other for years. Yeah. But I'm thinking, God, I used whenever someone would call, I'd do every radio show mainly because I thought I had to, right? Oh, you're on Jim Rome constantly. <laughs> yeah. But then I realized, then they get to the point where you go. Man, I don't have to do any of these things. Not that I don't like doing it, but if you do this job long enough, you kind of run out of cute things to say, yeah. and then you kind of get tired of yourself. And you, you know, and you're, and then you again, when you're in the bay, you're not that important. I'm not that important. And so, the idea that someone would want to talk to me three, four times times a week, I'm thinking, ah, I'm not that interesting anyway. So, uh, it, again, it's a lot of it is just more you you get fatigued with yourself. Well, we did win yeah. best interview of the year. I don't remember I what year that, that was. I think it was like 13 or 14. I have the trophy. I want I want a copy because, you know, in this era of Zoom calls, that would look nice over my shoulder. I mean, think about that. I mean, are we getting out of that? I mean, it's it's horrible. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I I, I actually I hope so. It's it's funny. It's 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 still it's going to be around the state to some extent and which will prevent some of us from having to travel in some situations. But yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. It's nice to actually come on. You see the press and everything now, and uh, never thought I'd say that. <laughs> no, you're gonna run out of here real quick. Uh, by the way, when Steve Vucinich retires after spring training, are you the longest tenured guy? Uh, no. Well, we got Pam Brady, Pam. We got a Pam bunch. Pitts yeah. has been yeah, here forever. Pam's, yeah, Pam's been here. Mickey, 
The great Mickey yeah, Morbido. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mickey, yeah, definitely Mickey, Pam, or Grady, or off the Keith. Well, Keith's still with us, so yeah, you know, he's he's taking a little going in the Hall of Fame. All these guys going in the Hall of Fame, as he should. I mean, it's it's uh, you, you'll you'll be there soon. Well, I want to wear a green jacket in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think at some point you're going to get hope in. So. Yeah. All I right, hope my so. hey. By the way, how do you feel? We'll end on this. You cool with this alliance? Pac-12, Big Ten, like Big Twelve? Really? Well, well I, I tell you, I'm getting a little these super conferences. You know, we, we got because you're still on the board, right? For helmets, right? No, now? no, not anymore. No, not anymore. That, that, if people been, don't know, you're a huge USC fan. Huge USC fan. I, I yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I get a little worried about the Pac-12 mainly because you know. From a competitive standpoint, the SEC has been dominating, and yeah. Ohio State and Penn State and Wisconsin, and the way that SC, I think, is it Oklahoma and Texas joining, and what? Yeah, that was a shocker. Yeah, so I, I from a competitive standpoint, it, I, it it'll be interesting. I I just want, I just like, like to see, I like to see West Coast teams in the bowl games. I don't want to see them playing in the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl on, on December nineteenth. <laughs> the 19th. Blue Bonnet Bowl <laughs> you know? from the Astrodome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, every, God, we're old. Time. We remember that. Oh yeah, the uh, Poland Weed Eater Bowl. Yeah, the Poinsettia Bowl. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we had that in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, I, I just I like to see. I you know I root for the root for the local kids. I root for the West Coast. I like to see Oregon, Oregon State, Washington. I like to see see them do well. So in the last few years, and you know, football, the SEC, the facilities in the SEC, even in baseball have just are so so good now you got kids from the west coast from san diego kids from our high school that are going out to the sc to play sec to play baseball now because the facilities are so they got a yeah. lot of money yeah well they put a lot in the you know athletic facilities and uh, and so so for that reason i'm hoping the the merging of the conferences will at least create a you know a, a very competitive and a good conference i want usc to win it but <laughs> but we'll see we're right around the corner Hey, thank you so much. It's always great. Good talking to you guys. We're going to talk to you during the postseason. There you go. There we go. The great Billy Bean right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From one A's legend to another, Steve Vucinich, 54 years he has worked for the Athletics. 54 years. Ever since 1968, he's calling it a career uh, after spring training. Vuce, one of the great A's of all time, and he will be. NA's Hall of Famer. You want to talk about being an A's legend? A guy that has been here since day one and he's retiring. And I told him, You're going to go in the Hall of Fame right away. And that's what's happening. So, a new Hall of Famer, Steve Vucinich, joins us here on A's Cast Live once again. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for asking. This franchise. You know, we joked you never needed a resume because you've been with this franchise forever. When they came out with the, they're going to put you in the Hall of Fame, what, what, what did that mean? You know, what's funny is I was told to come out to the parking lot and my daughter and my wife were there. 
And as Dietra was started to tell me about that, my daughter taped the whole thing and threw it on Facebook and Twitter. And, and it was so nice to hear that, what Dietra was saying, but until I watched the video of it, it didn't really hit home until then. And, you know, I always thought that maybe there's a chance a few years down the road, but never thought in the first year of retirement that I'd be going in and going in with three of my favorite people of all time, Sal Bando, Joe Rudy, and Eric Chavez. And one of the, one of the guys I say is one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life, and that would be Keith Lippman, who I've known since he was a player in our system, a minor league manager, uh, and also director of minor leagues for so many years. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally psyched about the whole thing, and, and sometimes I wonder if I'm deserving of it. You're going to have to write a speech. Yeah, working on it. I've got, <laughs> I've got all I've got all until whenever it is. So I tell them don't do it in July because I'm going to Alaska and you're not going to get me off that trip. And then we're going to have a pregame ceremony for you on September 26 against the Astros at 107, which should be a very highly attended game. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm uh, nervous about that. I really am. I don't know what's in store. Um, I have... Uh, they said they just need me on the field, and I said I need to speak for a minute or two, and they said that's fine, and uh, you'll see what happens. Like when I see what happens, I want to make sure the fans are thanked by me because they have been right on. I walked through this, the stands yesterday just on the concourse, and there weren't that many people here, but fans kept coming up to me thanking, me thanking me for what I've done, and I thought I was a war hero in Iraq or Afghanistan is the same line they use for servicemen, but uh uh, it's the fans have been great for me over the years. That's pretty hilarious. Like, how many World Series games have you won? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just been there to watch the good guys win them. And you've been getting a ton of TV time. It's been like, like you always got to watch out what you're doing now in the dugout because they got the camera on you all the time. Well, I, I'm guessing it's a non-exciting part of the stadium uh, game, but uh, uh, yeah, you always have to be careful. We know that. We've been told that don't ever pick your nose. You never know when it'll be on there. Don't, uh, I, I guess from Toronto, somebody said it looked like I was sleeping. I said, no, I was illegally keeping my cell phone on my lap looking for something. And I, so I kept looking down. They said my head looked like I was bobbing and I was sleeping. <laughs> and that has never happened. You know, it, it's, it's, the job has changed over the years because the demand is so different when I think about equipment and I think about uniforms and you got like you know years ago you had a white one you had a gray one it was home it was road now I mean it's Father's Day Mother's Day Fourth of July it's you know what a Pokemon day I mean <laughs> I mean just talk about how all the ordering all the equipment the stores the travel how everything has just really changed well uh, first of all we used to have just white and gray, and I'm talking about from the mid-80s up until about 94 or 95, we brought in the dark green as an alternate. And then we added the gold for a while, and that gave us four, and then we went to the Kelly green, that gave us five. We did that a few years ago, and then eliminated the gold, and next year we might eliminate the dark green. <clears throat> and so we'll be at, be at three jerseys. So everybody gets two jerseys right off the start. They're all custom uh, made, whether it be sleeve length, body length, tightness, whatever. And so um, then you've got three hats, the BP, the home, the road, and then you've got the Kelly, so that's a fourth one. So it's quite a bit, and it's changed a lot because of uh, we have more turnover in our roster than we did 25, 40 years ago. Uh, so you get got more players, you have to be ready for more. 
Uh, we have a good company to stand by. It does emergency lettering for us, even on a Saturday or Sunday. I'll never forget the Jeff Samarja trade uh, was made on 4th of July, July weekend, of course. And so we had a guy come in and do all the lettering. And I made the guy a hero because I tweeted his picture holding up the jerseys because all the fans were asking, what number is Hamill's going to be? What number is Samarja going to be? And so I answered it that way. I let the <coughs> this guy get 10,000 views. So it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, because that's not, I mean, a guy gets sent up out of nowhere, especially when you're on the road. I mean, I understand when it's at home, but let's just take me through it. Like, next, you know, Billy Bean or David Force calls you and says, we're bringing up this guy. He's never been on the big club, and you're in, like, Cleveland. Well, <clears throat> for guys that are on a 40-man roster, you always have a jersey. And then if you've got in spring training a guy that's not on a 40-man roster, but he's a veteran and he has a chance of getting recalled, which would have been a case for Jed Lowry if he didn't make the team on opening day, uh, he would have been in that situation. So we've got the jerseys ready. And, and I know what numbers are available, what numbers some of those guys wore in spring training. A lot of, a lot of those guys are in the 60s and the 70s. But they get recalled. Um, and uh, if I don't have a jersey, first thing I do is hopefully I know in a day in advance. And I'll pull blank jerseys, and then we've got two size letters in all colors. We have a thin and a thick. The thin is for uh, last names of eight or more letters. The thick are for last names of seven or fewer letters. So there's a science to all this, too. Um, See, uh, people don't know this. <laughs> they think these guys just show up and you got a jersey and you walk out and start playing. This is not bewitched. I'm not twitching <laughs> my nose and all of a sudden they appear. <laughs> yeah. So. So you got that, and you got pants, and uh, and I always order extra pants in spring training because those are so customized these days. So whether it's short pattern, long pattern, what waist, what size leg, do the guys have rubber bands on the bottom, do they leave them open bottom, all these different customizations. And the jerseys are customized too with, like I said, sleeve length, tightness. Some of the guys like a tight sleeve. and shows their gut, make it a gun show, we tease them. And... Uh, so I'll get the jerseys lettered up, send out a sample to the local company that each team uses, and get them back. And we've never, ever in my lifetime got sent a player out without a name on the back once we started having names on the back. When you think about the players, you know, from the A's getting here in the 60s, you had the 70s and the great teams, then here comes the 80s, Billy Martin, then you got a team that was just a powerhouse, and they were rock stars in the late 80s. And then through the 90s, and the, how have players changed, and how are they still kind of the same? Well, I, I think the players are better conditioned now. With the compensation they receive, they don't need to have off-season jobs. And that was the case back in the 60s and the early 70s. I mean, 1971, I'll never forget, I was in college, and I got a – a part-time job at J.C. Penney's in Hayward, Southland, working in the sporting goods department. And I ran into Raleigh Fingers. He said, I need a job. So I told our guys there, and next thing I know, he's a stock boy at the J.C. Penney's. Raleigh the, Fingers. At the Fremont Hub in Fremont. <laughs> and we had just won a division, so his full share was $7,000, but it wasn't enough to sustain through the winter, so he needed a job. Sal Bando used to work for Visa. Joe Rudy had a few things going until they really started making money. Nowadays, you get a guy comes up for one month of the season, and that one month is maybe $130,000, so, uh, or maybe 120, and and so they've 
I don't say they're above the line. They're, they don't need to work during the winter. So they work out. They're better conditioned. Some of the guys that have big money have their own batting cage in their in their house, their winter off-season home. Uh, so that's changed. Like I said, a better condition. Now, uh, as far as attitudes and everything, it's pretty much the same. Uh, sometimes some of these guys listen to their agents too much instead of listening to coaches and stuff, and they have their own workout partners or a personal hitting coach or whatever, which is fine to a point, but there's got to be communication between those people and our staff too. So that's changed a little bit. Again, that's that's because of the money. They've got the money to be able to pay those guys, and good for them. Um, Marvin Miller, there's a reason why he went into the Hall of Fame. That's right. Marvin Miller has helped everybody in the game. He, is, he saw that uh, he had a vision for uh, free agent signing, and that would stir more talk during the winter after the winter meetings and trades and things like that. And, and he was so pro-player, and they got noticed. And look where the game has evolved to now in tennis. I mean, let's go back two years ago where we were, and don't count last year or this year, but the game has evolved. It's been more popular than ever. Uh, I, I hear some old-timers say they don't like the extra inning rule. Well, they didn't ever have to stay here at 18, 19 innings until 1 a.m. Thank you very much. Thank you very I get people calling me up. That's not baseball. Well, if you think I want to be, I mean, I've been on the air like at 2.30 in the morning. Are you, are you telling me I don't want to get out of here? Exactly right. Seriously. And the thing is, is the NBA, NC2A, and, and in the NFL, they've made more rule changes than baseball ever thought of. So this game is more of the same that it was in the 1920s. That's one of the few changes. And the DH is another change. But, I mean, if I was to change anything, I'd say let's go to the 10th inning and do a regular, then throw the runner on second base in the 11th or 12th. I think as was originally proposed until last year, and they decided to do it in the 10th inning. Yeah, I'd put them on third. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the one city you're going to miss the most going to? New York. New York is a city in itself. It's, uh, I, and the reason I say New York is I won't go there as often. I love Seattle. I think Seattle's a wonderful town. And in my trip next summer planning, I'm already going to plan on spending a couple of days in Seattle, do some of the things that I can't do. There's not enough time during the baseball season to do. But uh, New York, I love the theater, and we'd always go back in New York during the winter anyway. Maybe spend five days to go to three shows and, and do the things. The funny thing that I did in New York one winter, we, did, we were there between Christmas and New Year's. We had nothing to do that day, nothing, nothing planned, my wife, daughter, and I. I said, you know what I want to do? I want to take that four train past Yankee Stadium because to me, that's where the end of the world was in New York. I want to see what's past. <laughs> so we rode the number four train to the end, which went, goes right in the middle of Fordham University, which I didn't know, and there's beautiful areas of the Bronx. It's not what you see around Yankee Stadium. So those are the kind of things that, that I will do differently and miss about certain areas, but uh, – uh, there's more out there than just baseball. Yeah, our, our last family trip, right before I joined you guys in Vegas, we we're in New York, and my kids are actresses, so I took them to Hamilton, Wicked. Little did we know COVID is r raging through New York at the time, and all the Ubers and trains. Luckily, we didn't get it, but wow. I mean, yeah, that was uh, – that. Uh, now you look back on it because we were at D.C. and Philly, and you're sure. just thinking about how crazy that was. But it'll be nice to get back – to travel and what it, what what it, we'll end on this what do you think you're going to miss the most the interaction people like you friends of mine that are in the media maybe longtime writers baseball writers association new york guys boston guys peter abraham i used to love nick cafardo and 
Peter Gammons, a good friend of mine. He's, he's dropped my name in columns and on TV for years. And uh, so I'm going to miss not just the media, but the interaction with uh, either other clubs. I'll see a bunch of my uh, compatriots at the winter meetings this year, but I don't know if I'll ever see the guys from Baltimore again. And I don't know if I'll see the guys from Detroit and Cleveland. I said no disrespect to you guys when I left there last week, but I said this is not a vacation destination for me. So <laughs> I might see you guys on the road somewhere, but not in Cleveland and not in Detroit. So And it's been cool to be honored by everybody, right, all these it, teams? It really is. You know what? Um, I've got the, the autographed jersey at home plate by the Yankees, and Aaron Boone wrote something special on it. Boston came in and gave me a piece of the, the Fenway uh, scoreboard, number 54 for my number 54 years. And of course, Sergio Romo thought it was because of him, but uh, it was autographed, and that was very touching. A couple of places they gave me wine, a couple of places gave me cigars. But one of the things that, that means the most to me, and I will give the same notation at, at our winter meetings is, I've done a lot for our equipment manager, clubhouse manager association. We started on a park bench in, in San Diego in the winter meetings in 1985. And a couple of the guys that came through and have talked to me and as I'm ending my career in baseball said, we really appreciate what you've done for our equipment managers association and getting it noticed and get it recognized by Major League Baseball because they never recognized us before. And that, to me, it means to me as, as much as that. And then the legacy that I have with great guys that have worked for me in the clubhouse, not only the guys that are taking over for me, but I've got do uh, one doctor, I've got a couple lawyers, guys that are masters in taxation, guys that have moved on. My bat boy in, in 2002 was Nick Crawl, who was the current general manager of the Cincinnati Reds. So that, that pleases me the most of, of, of all my accomplishments. You got like the Bill Walsh tree. I like to think that because <laughs> we have spread out. Well, it, it's it, you know the great thing is is we're not saying goodbye because we'll have spring training. Well, hopefully we'll have spring training next year, and uh, we'll be doing this. We'll go back into that one of those rooms and, and we'll do this again. But you know, I just you know I I don't know if we're going to be able to get you again before the end of the season. Hopefully we'll have the playoffs. But you know what you've meant to me in my career and what you've meant to this show and. I, we've had some epic interviews. Well, I remember we had one in Tokyo that was awesome, and just uh, we we've we've had a few cocktails together, like in Tokyo or Arizona. And you've been a very good friend. Well, thanks, and I have no aspirations to take your place, so you don't have to worry. Well, I'm gonna come down and play. Why don't we play golf? <laughs> we can do that. We can play golf. You're not gonna have to work, and now we can just I can I can bolt out and we'll play golf. So, fine with me. All right, buddy. Be well. Thank you very much. Always enjoy. And, it. and by the way, these the stuff you've been doing with Vince is priceless. It's fun. It's it's a lot of fun to reminisce, and he he gives me a little schedule of what we're gonna talk about, and I have to rack my brain because there's so much in it that I have to bring out a few of those things. Well, it's going to help you write the book. Yeah, there you go. You are the best. All right, thanks, guys. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. You think of the two legends of Billy Bean and Steve Vucinich and then a guy that's been with the A's for over 20 years, assistant general manager Billy Owens. He's one of the best executives and one of the best scouts in all of baseball, and nobody works harder. This is a kid from the South Bay. He went to Bellarmine Prep. And he loves baseball. He loves scouting. He loves the A's. Here is Billy O. Billy O, how have you been? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, man. I think I, last time I was on the show was um, either uh, spring training or prior to spring training, but uh, definitely eventful year. 
Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting year. You know, you look at the A's trying to make it in the postseason for the four straight year. You know, the A's will end with a winning record, but I think there's going to be a little bit of a bad taste in everybody's mouth that they're not going to make the postseason. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the goal, obviously, uh, only one team's happy. Uh, you want to go to the World Series, obviously. So anything short of that's a tough year. But, yeah, I mean, it's peaks and valleys, ups and downs. Uh, definitely um, some really good stories this year. And getting close to hopefully close to 90 wins, uh, you definitely want to finish in the postseason. But uh, you can definitely find some positives as, as well. Yeah, when, when you think about what happened with this team on August 12th, Fangraphs had them at 62.5% chance to make it to the postseason. So from August 12th to where we are today, what do you what, what do you think were the key problems for the A's? Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, those odds are kind of like the weather. The stuff changes day to day. I mean, so, I mean, September 1st, um, St. Louis Cardinals, before they won 17 straight games, uh, their their odds were a lot different than they than after they won 17 straight games. So, I just think that, you know, we had a couple key injuries here and there. Um, if you really look at it, I mean, playing in our ballpark, the years that were really good and we go to the postseason, we win the close games, especially at home. This year, I mean, last year we had the Giants where we, we had, you know, last inning home runs that came out in our favor. We won. This year is the opposite. They hit some homers late to, to beat us. So, I mean, you can look at it um, glass half full, half empty, however, which way you want it. But here we are. It's October 1st and the standings are the standings. Yeah, and I I think about two things that happened this year late in the season. Chris Bassett getting hit in Chicago and the suspension of Ramon Laureano. How much do you think those two things affected the team? Yeah, I mean, Bassett was huge. I mean, he's, he's the um, epitome of a warrior. I mean, he pitched in the All-Star game this year for a guy from um, Akron, uh, College of Akron. They didn't have a baseball team. To having a, a baseball team, to – being that big trade for us with Marcus Simeon to having Tommy John surgery, being in relief for a hot minute and coming back with a vengeance and starting role. I mean, he's, um, he's the epitome, the, the quintessential Oakland athletic. Um, so yeah, losing him, how, how we lost him was obviously devastating just from, from the sheer magnitude because uh, he's a, a huge part of our team and Ramon, I mean, that's just, just part of the game, man. I mean, so the way it went down, I mean, we, we did pick up Marte around a similar time, and Marte came over to us. And and for, for the last two months of the season, you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, four or five better players in all of Major League Baseball. So it's a give and take. Like I said, I mean, in, in good years, we win those close games. In, in down years, we find a way at some point uh, when we go extra innings we come on a negative end. And, and I pretty much, that tells the story of our seasons. I've been here 23 years. In the good years, we win a close games. You know, I got to tell you, uh, speaking of Starling, he was so dynamic, and he's still dynamic. We got three games left. But he, he's been so dynamic for the A's. And at the age, he's 32, will be 33 next year. I, I How much do you think he still has in the tank to play like this? 
Yeah, no, obviously he proved it. I mean, he um, he's basically going to be top three in stolen bases in two different leagues. He hit well over 300. He has power. Honestly, I think Starling played this well in Pittsburgh, but they weren't high in the standings in, in those days, so he was kind of under the radar. He went to Arizona. He balled out in Arizona. He went to the Marlins. He balled out as well. And that was a huge, I mean, losing Lazardo is tough for us. Eventually, be a really good pitcher. But uh, for what we needed in 2021, Starling Marte was, was the perfect fit. He set himself up for free, free agency. And, and the guy's dynamic. I mean, there's only one Ricky Henderson. I think Ricky Henderson stole 40 bases all the way, you know, in a season after he was 40 years old. Not saying Starling could do that, but he definitely, um, he would definitely look uh, comfortable on a cover of muscle and fitness. So, so this guy is, um, he's a specimen, he's dynamic and he should have plenty of suitors, uh, in free agency. I, I think Ricky Henderson at his age right now could fall out of bed and get a couple stolen bases. Yeah. I mean, Ricky in the, um, in the annals of our game, I mean, if you go back to, you know, 1900s or whatever, I mean, Ricky's probably maybe the most unique player, I mean, even in the era of uh, Otani, I mean, Ricky's as unique as anybody that ever played the game and as a dynamic, as impactful, and the longevity that he was able to execute is pretty phenomenal and crazy. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Shohei Otani, and, you know, you're one of the great talent evaluators in our game. I mean, when you just look at him from an offensive player, then you look at him as a pitcher. Just what do you think his ceiling truly is? Yeah, now nah, he's a freak, man. I mean, if you go, you know, Dion was a freak on on the football field. Obviously, go back to Bo Jackson, um, and even kind of our era, Dave Winfield was a guy that got drafted in three sports. Yeah. Then also hit the last game Dave Winfield ever pitched. He struck out seventeen guys against USC. In, in a college World Series game, and he led the Big Ten in rebounding. So, you know, Shohei Otani, man, I mean, not only is he um, amazing on, on the mound, he might be the fastest guy in the major leagues. He's still 25-plus bases. He's tied for the major league lead in triples, and the 45 home runs this year speaks for itself. So, oh, no, he's, he's a unicorn. He, he's a, a freak. He, he's an amazing talent. And I think it's a tip of the iceberg because, yeah, I mean, is there a season that he could pop 50 home runs, steal 30 bases, and have 10 wins on the mound? Yeah, it's definitely possible. Well, you're, you're leaving out that kid from Bellarmine. Who is that guy that was a quarterback and played first base? Billy Owens? You, you forget about your career? Yeah, I mean, it's 30 years ago now. But, yeah, now obviously proud, you know, working for a, a Bay Area team. Uh, being, you know, from the, the West Catholic Athletic League and, and you know, and, and being one of the, when they talk Tom Brady, Pat Burrell, Greg Jeffries, um, Jim Fergosi, in, in the annals of the West Catholic Athletic League, I'm, I'm firmly uh, probably, you know, I'm squarely in the top five or ten, obviously. Well, when you start thinking about this season, let's talk about some positives. Give me some positives about the A's in 2021 that they can then carry over this offseason into next year. Yeah, I mean, every year is different. I mean, so obviously our bookend guys, Olsen had a phenomenal year. I mean, for him to 
you know, being the year four, five in the major leagues, for him to basically flip his, his walk to strikeouts, still hit 40 home runs, still play um, phenomenal gold glove defense, was pretty remarkable, especially considering, you know, the, the 2020 shortened season, how it went for him personally. Um, and Ole's just a tremendous uh, character. Um, amazing. I mean, his year in 2021, you can't understate it. So, or overstated, obviously. And, um, you know, Chapman, he still popped up 27 homers, OPS, uh, 750-ish, career 814. So he's going into 2022, looking back to him recapturing that, that OPS. And, you know, definitely good stories around the diamond. Even though I know Lou Trevino had the, had the rough patch there in, in August, but knowing Lou's trajectory and story for him to basically save 20 games and, and be our closer for the majority of the year, thought Lou actually had a, had a, a really good season. Uh, Tony Kemp was a good story this year, you know, for, for him to bounce back and, you know, really get on base, <laughs> hit seven or eight home runs, show some versatility. Uh, hoping uh, Chad Pender can, you know, you know, stay healthy for a full season. Because if he's healthy, I believe he's a 20-plus a uh, homer bat uh, with some versatility. So, I mean, there's, you know, guys around the diamond. Uh, Sean Murphy hit, hit 17, 18 home runs this year. I mean, really, besides Terry Steinbach as a catcher, you know, some of the most in, in, in Oakland hi- history for that position. I think um, he's got a higher ceiling behind the plate. Um, I think his, his average is hovering around 220. He's got a 240, 250, 25 plus home run season in him with the solid OBP. So I mean, there's there's good stories around the diamond. Um, like I said, we we're right at 85, 86 wins now. Hopefully, we get close to 90, uh, and we're we're still a a very good major league baseball team. You know, and I'll give you another one too. As the A's are going to lead major league baseball in innings pitched by their starters. And when a lot of these guys, because you think about last year's COVID season, you think about these guys in their career where they've been hurt, you had a bunch of starters this year who pitched the entire season, and I'd throw Chris Bassett in there too if he didn't get hurt. But this was really the first time in these guys' career they played an entire season. Yeah, no, Montas and Bassett. I mean, Bassett made the all-star team, deservedly so. Um Frankie Montas is right there. I mean, I think Frankie Montas uh, right at 206 strikeouts for the year, most ever in Oakland history as a right-handed pitcher. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, Frankie's story, Frankie signed with the Red Sox, got traded to the White Sox. We were kind of interested from there. He got traded to the Dodgers. And then he was in that um, Rich Hill, Josh Reddick trade to us. And the whole time, people kind of labeled Frankie as a reliever. And so for him to really, you know, fight through, persevere, uh, get that splitter, and become basically a, a, a top-of-the-rotation uh, phenomenal starter all year was a great story. And like I said, Bassett's story is well chronicled. I mean, he, he's another guy that, you know, his delivery is unique. He's a, a still a phenomenal athlete. Hard thrower, uh, four pitches, deceptive. Uh, made the All Star team this year. 
and just the courage of a lion. Shamanea, um, go all the way back to seeing him in college, Indiana State. Uh, we traded for him for Ben Zobris. Uh, he's been a, a pillar in my rotation uh, since he's been here. Always has, you know, solid amount of innings, uh, deceptive strikeouts for a lefty, probably honestly an underrated starter in all of MLB. So, um, yeah, no, it's a, there's plenty of positives. I mean, if you go back to, I don't know, I mean, there's some teams that are going to make the playoffs this year that don't have the record that we have. So, I mean, the rules are the rules, but we still had a, a very positive year at 85, 86 wins uh, sitting here today on October 1st and hopefully, hopefully finish strong and get close to 90 wins. Well, whenever we have Billy Bean on, we always joke about how you have more Marriott points than probably anybody in the game. Uh, all the traveling that you do, what's your schedule going to be like in the off season? Are you going to be back to traveling again? Yeah, oh yeah, it's been a really since, and I think guys stayed around, and then after really April fifteenth this year, you know, it was all systems go. I mean, the draft was uh, July fifteenth, so you really canvassed the country. Uh, the rest of April, uh, May and June, got ready for the draft, knocked out that chapter of the year, did a lot of pro stuff, trade deadline, uh, seeing our system, you know, as far as the rankings go, maybe our system didn't always have the highest rankings, but as far as there's plenty of strong nuggets that are going to be um, next in line to play in Oakland. So there, there's plenty of guys there on the farm. So seeing those guys, seeing major league games, uh, right now, we got instruction league going on, so we'll, we'll watch some of those games. And Arizona Fall League starts on October 13th, runs through November 20th, and pretty easy to find me those days. I mean, you can normally get uh, an afternoon and an evening game, and 95% of those days, I'm, I'm at both of those games. Uh, there's some international stuff. You still dip into Latin America in the wintertime, uh, seeing some games, uh, Dominican, uh, Puerto Rico, um, a lot of Venezuelan players work out in Colombia now. So you go down there, some in Mexico. So, yeah, there's always, you know, I get the monitor of, of going, and I like being in a lot of different places and, and just, you know, lucky enough to have a, a good job like this where I'm always in the action at the hot games. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not the only player, uh, scout or executive at these games. There's, there's plenty of – there's always a crowd. You go to the right games and – there's going to be somebody's there. And, and that's where the, the stars of, as you start getting ready in the offseason, the rookies of the years, you know, the guys, the Jake Cronenworth that, that make their name uh, in the major leagues, you know, in, in our gig, you see, you see those guys first and, and you got to definitely have something on paper or raise your hand of who's going to be the stars of tomorrow. Well, and the last couple of years, you actually got to meet your neighbors down there in Arizona. Yeah, I was coming <laughs> Never want to go through what we um, went through, obviously, through 2020. And, yeah, definitely a lot more walks around the neighborhood and, and Zoom calls. But, yeah, now the, the ebb and flow of the baseball season was great to kind of be somewhat normal 2021. We get through this weekend. For the most part, we're, you know, everybody's going to play 162-game season and get ready for this postseason. And we're going to be spectators, but it's still – fun to watch and see how it unfolds and, and and like I said you got plenty of you know the off season I mean we've made a lot of our deals I mean 
The first time I, f- I saw Frankie Montas was at an Arizona Fall League game. I remember checking on R- Ramon Laureano after I saw him in Frisco, Corpus Christi, uh, playing in a double-A game and seeing him that fall. Uh, and so, you know, our guys playing tonight in Houston uh, you know, on both teams. I, you, I saw plenty. I bet you I saw over half of those guys, you know, canvassing uh, the Fall League, Instruction League, or Latin America in the wintertime. So there's plenty of baseball left on the calendar in 2021. Well, you are the best, and we always appreciate your your time on the show. Let's, let's hook up this offseason and do it again. Be well and be safe. Sounds good. En- enjoy it. Get some jambalaya down there in, uh, in Houston. Talk to you soon. Three A's legends for you. Billy Bean, Steve Vucinich, and Billy Owens right here on A's Unfiltered. Now back to A's cast powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 